Good evening. Glad you're with us tonight. If you are watching this on delay, not live, we just ask you to be patient. Uh, we're going to wait five minutes or so to enable the live viewers to join us. So please sit tight and uh, or skip ahead about four or five minutes and, and we'll be at the start. Thank you. Good evening. I see we got a few out there. As always, just ask you to check in, let us know who's here, and we'll wait to enable all of our friends to join us. So just be patient for four or five minutes, and then we'll get started. I see two of you are out there waiting patiently. Hey, Linda, you're the first one on tonight. Congratulations. I think that makes you the winner. Good to see, good to see you. Glad you're with us tonight. Glad you found it so quickly. Hey, Phil. Um, I think, yes, it did. I, uh, I'm hoping it'll be a game worth seeing this second half to when we're done here. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm anticipating the Celtics are going to come out firing here tonight. Well, glad the two of you are here. We've got four or five minutes for everybody else to find us, but where two or three are gathered, right? So we're already got a quorum. Um, hey, Melissa's here. Good evening. Ron and Joan are here. Good evening to all of you. That's interesting. So my, my screen count here says only two are watching, and clearly we have more than two because just the ones who have posted are, are a lot more than that. Joel, good evening. And Judy, welcome back to nice, cold Wisconsin. It's May, and it's still cold, so I'm sure you are sure you are frustrated by that, but welcome back. Linda and Melissa, thanks for the count. Yeah, it still says two here. I don't know. I don't know why, why that is. It's not updating. No matter, but uh, um, somebody tell me when we hit maybe 18, that'll be my signal to start. Um, although I'm going to give it two or three minutes anyway, but yeah, good to have everybody out. Glad you're with us tonight. We're going to be Luke 6 through 8, Luke chapter 6 through 8. We're going to wait a couple more minutes. I know there's a few out there that a few of our regulars have not checked in yet. So, hope everybody's doing well on this chilly May afternoon and evening. Jane and Glenn and Jean are here, and uh, yeah, we'll keep Joan in our prayers, everybody. Joan is uh, in the hospital in the ER tonight with some some issues, so we'll 
we'll keep her in our prayers and we'll, I'll say a prayer for her as we start. Yeah, Melissa, it's been so much, so much water. I, uh, I was commenting to Grace on the way home today. I, I don't think I've ever seen our grass so green as it is right now. It, uh, it sure is green and everything up out there. And thankfully the water has stayed about out of our basement. Hopefully, hopefully it is for you guys too. About another minute and a half here, and then we'll get started. Are we holding steady at about 14 there, Melissa? Hey, Pam, good evening. Good evening. Joanne, good evening and welcome. Phil, I I think mostly, I think it depends what plans uh, you have in mind. Um, but I think mostly we're, we're good to go. All right, I think we probably can get going here. Um, again, my screen only shows two viewers, so I'm not sure what, what's going on there. But as long as we got audio and as long as we got video, I, I think we're good to go. So... Let's begin with a prayer. And again, Joan, Joan uh, is in surgery right now. So let's let's pray for her as we as we pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come together tonight to study Your Word. Uh, we ask for Your mercy on Joan, who was in surgery this evening. We ask that You bless the work of the surgeon, help him to repair um, what needs to be repaired, enable her. Uh, to recover from this surgery, Lord, for it to go well. Um, we ask that you be with her and bless her. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. I would just say uh, either Jane or Jean, if if you'd like, Joan on the prayer chain, um, just send an email here to um, Linda, and, and we'll get that taken care of tonight. All right. So, uh, Luke chapter 6 through 8, and I need to, oh, and hello, Joe and Marlene, didn't mean to miss you there. Good evening and welcome. Um, so Luke 6 to 8, and I think the first thing I need to say here this evening is, I, not necessarily an apology, but I, I, I'm realizing that was maybe ambitious to, to give you those three chapters. There is a lot in these three chapters, and uh, I think you'll recall I mentioned how detailed Luke is. And you're really seeing that here. So three chapters might be a, a big chunk. Uh, just understand that as we go through, we're not going to hit every detail. Um, part of that is because there's four Gospels, right? And so, so things that we have covered in Mark and, and will cover in the other Gospels, we maybe won't necessarily hit as de in, in as much detail here in Luke. Um so just be just be aware. But again, always ask your questions and, and, and make your observations. Um, so chapter six, Pharisees uh, again are getting on Jesus' case, um, just nitpicking everything that he and the disciples are doing. And as you look through that first section, there first ten verses or so, uh, what fundamental principle did the Jewish leaders refuse to understand or practice? What fundamental principle, verses 6 through 11 especially, what are they missing here? Um, they're hounding Jesus and the disciples. 
they think they are upholding the law, but what principle really are they missing? What are they not figuring out? And, and really from, as we look at this, you know, outside observer, it, it looks kind of sad, doesn't it? Um, um, so, so I think that's part of it there. Ron and Joan say that they're missing the purpose of the Sabbath. Yep, I, I think it, we got to go a little bit. Um, I think we got to give some more detail, though. Um, to, if I were to follow up, I would say, well, what exactly is the purpose they were missing? Um, I think I think they're also missing some of the attitude here, some of the, the attitude. Um, Melissa says they're missing God's compassion and love for people. Yeah, I think, um, and Judy's got that too, they weren't showing mercy or compassion for their fellow man. Um, it, they were all about upholding the letter of the law, but there was no love your neighbor. And Jesus gives an example there of, uh, talking about David. And um, so the purpose of the Sabbath wasn't just to be obeyed, right? It was to be a blessing for people. And, and you guys are commenting there on, on helping and showing compassion and, and just just having love for people, um, for, especially for those in need. They, they don't have it. And that shows up throughout, throughout all the Gospels. They don't have that compassion for others. Um, it is sorely lacking in their religion. Um, and Jesus continues to butt heads with them on that issue. And, and you'll see that a couple more times. Um, I would agree with that, Melissa, um, as are a lot of the episodes. But yeah, I, I would agree this that was especially so. Um, and Phil, that's a good summary there. It's, it's They're making it about rules versus love. And, and I think the Myers are saying that they got the purpose backwards there, right? And, and it's just, it's about mercy. It's about compassion. It's about helping those in need. Good. All right. Um, and they're, they're mad, right? Verse 11, they were furious. Literally, literally, they were filled with madness. Like they were just, they were irate. They had it up to here. They were just, they were, they were ready to blow their tops, right? They were just mad. <clears throat> um, then verse 12 and following, um, just real quick here. And I, I think it's worth pointing out verse 12. Um, yeah, correct, Melissa. I forget how many hundreds extra. I mean, they added a lot of extra rules to it. It was ridiculous. I think I gave you an example um, some time ago when I was in Israel. They had a Shabbat elevator, a Sabbath elevator, and the elevator stopped at every floor so you didn't have to do the, do the work of pushing the button. Um, yeah, it, it was so many extra rules, so many extra rules all about work. Um, and I think I would agree with you that temptation is always strong for us too. Um, all right, Luke six here, question number two, read verse 12 and following. How could Jesus function after spending the night in prayer? Verse 12 says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. How could Jesus function? after having spent the night in prayer. And what does this teach us? Um, I watch my kids now and they're, you know, they're teenagers. And so they, 
on the weekends they hang out with with their buddies and they're up to all hours of the night and and they seem fine the next day like i can't do that anymore right i, I can't function without good night's sleep what how could jesus function and and what does this teach us So, uh, Ron and Jones say Jesus was strengthened and refreshed after praying. Um, so he knew God's strength would sustain him, right? Um, that's really what he's counting on for the day. Remember, he's human, right? So he, he's tired like the rest of us, or gets tired. Um, and he was re relying on the strength that God would provide, right? As, 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 um, Ron and Joan and now Joel just said, yep, God would provide. Um, and so then just a couple of, so what does this teach us then? A couple of questions maybe. Um, Judy, that's a good point. If the son of God has to spend the night in prayer, how much more do we have to pray? Um, and just maybe as you think about this for your own prayer life, uh, first of all, Pilgrim, I think, We've talked about this a lot. The prayer ministry here um, is really neat. Uh, I haven't seen it as organized as it is in, in real often. And anyway, I so I don't know. I know you guys are praying. Um, but think of your own prayer life and compare it here to verse 12. Um, I, I'll say as pastor, it's always the struggle of, um, how much time should be spent in prayer and how much time should be spent working. And, and really, um, I think it's a false dichotomy, right? Time spent in prayer doesn't mean time lost for ministry. Um, and for you too, time lost in prayer doesn't mean, um, doesn't automatically mean less time for serving the Lord. Uh, it, it probably means you're going to have more strength and energy to do the serving of the Lord. So I just, sometimes in our lives, we may, we maybe pit prayer against other kinds of service and um, that that's, we don't want to be doing that. Um, why are we weak? You know, is, is it a lack of prayer? Um, if you're so worn out and exhausted at the end of the day, is it because we don't follow Jesus pattern here? Uh, just questions to think about. I, I don't necessarily want to spend too much time here, but I just, it strikes me. I just I continue to I continue to fail to to learn this lesson here from Jesus. Um, I, it's a lesson I continue to fail at. So, just wanted to, to throw it out there. Um, no, Linda, you're good. I see you don't have to go anywhere, Linda. Um, I, I see you there. You don't have to go. Um, Joel says it's a good reminder in our day. Uh, we have so many other activities, screen time. Yeah, that's something too. Um, <clears throat> that's something too. We so where'd that go? Joel says it's a good reminder. So much screen time. When you and I, when you get five minutes of downtime, um, whether it's in the doctor's office and, and you're waiting to see the doctor or you're in Walgreens and you're waiting in line to get your prescription, you're um, at the gas station while the gas is pumping. How many of us just turn on the phone, um, scroll through the phone? That's five minutes that could be spent in prayer, right? Five minutes we could spend in, in meditation. I, Joel, I think that's a great 
observation. Um, I think just, just good lessons here. Anyway, um, maybe may good, good enough on that. Uh, so question three, question three, line up all of the contrasting statements in verses 20 through 26. Uh, what seems to be the theme here? Number three, what seems to be the theme as you look through 20 through 26? There's a lot of contrasting statements. Um, just as you look at that section, Jesus, that the, the Luke's version here of the Beatitudes, I think Matthew's probably is a little more lengthy. Um, Saran so and Joan have, uh, they're lining up some of them there, some of those contrasting statements. What What's the theme here? How would you summarize what Jesus is saying? So Linda would say, Jesus is a gift to us or his gifts to us. Certainly, um, he talks about blessings that he gives to his people. Anybody else? What other summary or um, theme would you put here? Phil says it describes patience to see our reward in heaven and caution to worldly ideas. I, I like that. Um, Jesus certainly is teaching us here to, to look towards heaven, to, to look at, toward eternal blessing. Um, Melissa says, can't measure ourselves by what we have or don't have here on earth. Um, yeah, it, it, this is heavenly focus, right? Heavenly priorities. Um, and, and Jane, I think that's good. He acknowledges that there will be struggle here, especially probably for the believer, right? There will be struggle here, but he wants us to count on those eternal blessings. And I think the flip side, the warning here is he's saying for those that are going to reject uh, his kingdom, that they're going to be condemned. Um, and, Ron and Joan, I like that thought as well. A happy life here on earth isn't the ultimate goal, nor is it guaranteed. Um, Jesus does. Jesus wants us to set our sights higher than that, don't doesn't he? Um, and at the same time, in God's word, he never promises a happy life here on earth. It, a blessed life, that's not the same as happy necessarily, right? Um, good thoughts. I, I, I appreciate all those summaries, and I like the way you guys... To me, those are the best questions where you um, you kind of put things in your own words like this, and it it it, it helps. So it's good for me to see. Um, Joel says, "What may seem bad is a blessing; uh, can be a source of happiness. Uh, thanks to God, strengthens us, draws us closer to Him. True happiness. Um, yeah, so it's definitely um, definitely something that draws us closer here, Joel. Right, and I think." And Phil says, um, why is it referred to as the Beatitudes? It's, um, so I think real simply, Phil, it's just, it's just a list of blessings, right? It's, so the theme is blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. A bunch of blessings together are called Beatitudes. And so that would be the, the reason for that, that title or that summary. Um, yeah, and, and so the style, I don't know so much if it's style as much as, as it is just um, summarizing the theme, summarizing the theme. 
And Joanne, it, yes, a lot of contrast here, right? Blessings with troubles. And you look at your life too. Um, what percentage of your life is just like that, Joanne, where there is blessing alongside trouble? Um, I, I think for the Christian, I, we go through stretches, right, where there's maybe more troubles than other times, but there's blessing right there. I, I don't know that anybody could say there was a stretch of trouble and no blessing. And it's probably pretty rare to have all blessing and no trouble too, right? They, they do go hand in hand. And Jesus here, as you all have said, is teaching us to focus on our heavenly reward. Um, all right, we got to pick up the pace here. We're never going to get through this. Um, and, and that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Number five, Jesus, nope, number four. Oh boy, <laughs> we may really not get through this. Uh, number four, distinguish between the right kind of judging and the wrong kind of judging. Jesus talks about that in 37 to 42. Uh, distinguish the right kind of judging from the wrong kind of judging. Just real quickly. So important, Linda. So important to realize that we're all sinners um, and look to ourselves first, right? I think that is especially 41, 42, um, Tremendous. Yeah. Good, good observation. Good, good thought there. Um, and I think really it, what's the goal here, right? What's the goal of the judging? Um, if it's self-righteous condemnation and perfect timing there, Judy, right? Let's don't be hypocrite. Don't be self-righteous. That's the wrong kind of judging. The right kind would be uh, humbly pointing out sin, right? Humbly, lovingly, gently trying to call someone to repentance and faith. Um, so it's self-righteous versus humility would be key thoughts there too. Um, yeah, Joanne, I don't know if I remember that. Um, I've only seen that once. I probably got to go back and watch that through again. Um I, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, that's a litmus. You could see it as a litmus test for Christ, for, for Christians, right? If, if those words describe you, um, you know you're a child of God, right? If those words are speaking to you, um, you know you're a child of God. All right, number five, Luke, or Jesus warns us against calling him Lord as if we truly love and honor him, yet not doing what he says. What will happen to those who are so hypocritically inconsistent what will happen to those whose lives match their confession two different outcomes here right what are and again we can do this one somewhat quickly what are the two um what are the two contrasting results here so we got hypocritically inconsistent versus Lives matching their confession. What are um, what are the two results? So Judy says, right, the believers are going to remain steadfast, right? Jesus talks about standing on the rock, right? There is steadfastness there, um, no shakiness there. Linda says, on the other hand, right, there's no roots. Um, so it's really stability versus lack thereof, right? It's judgment versus safe on the rock. 
Um, one ends well, one does not, right? And, and so um, the tree and its fruit, Jesus says, um, that's one way to, to get a handle on where faith is at. Um, and I, that picture, I love that picture of a strong foundation. Um, Matthew, Matthew's version of this is probably more well-known, um, just the wording of it. But again, I think Luke gives a little more detail, perhaps, a little more fleshed out. Um, Melissa says, passages like this are hard for me because we'll always, we'll not always do what the Lord says. So how can we ever know we have a sure foundation? Melissa, great point. So two things there. First of all, there's law and gospel here, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we, we go after shaky things, right? Sometimes we, we don't do this perfectly. Um, so there's definitely that there. That just, it just means there's law and gospel applications in the same section. And that tells me you're, you're reading critically. Um, but then the second point, when you say, how can we ever know we have a sure foundation? Notice the foundation. It's not you and me. The foundation is his words. Um, so you and I don't have to be perfect to have solid foundation, right? We have to hear and, and listen to his words. His words are the solid foundation. Um, and, and remember, read this in the context of scripture, right? It, to understand, um, his word, faith in his word, give us that foundation. Um, Peter talks about that in his letters too. All right, hopefully that helps. Um, Jane says, when trouble comes, relying on God will get us through. Faithless are destroyed down and out. Yep. Um, again, just read through scripture. And that that contrast that Jane points out there, again and again and again and again, over and over and over again, um, that contrast, those two contrasting results of faith and unbelief are, are, are so clearly laid out in scripture all the time. Linda reminds us it's somebody else that lays the foundation, somebody perfect. That's not us. Uh, yeah, Joel, I think that's another helpful comparison. Um, faith, right? Faith or not is, is the key here. Phil says, if we're questioning, then we're actively seeking growing in God's love. Uh, be worried when you don't care. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, very often a helpful thought too. Um, a sign of a of struggle, a sign of um, concern like that is often evidence of of faith. Um, so if you read these sect these verses about the foundation, and if you don't really, if you aren't concerned about it, that that could be a red flag. Um, so that's a good thought to have. And Pam says that God knows what's in our hearts. Yep, and it's. Uh, good and bad, right? He knows it all. And um, most importantly, he knows the faith in Jesus that is there. Um, all right, good. Boy, that was one chapter. Great discussion. We got two to go, and they are not short chapters. And uh, let's just see what happens here. So I, interesting section, verses 1 through 10, describe the relationship between the centurion in the Jews, does anything strike you as odd? Anything there that just just looked goofy? 
Yeah, Linda, I love this account as well. Um, I, I think it shows a couple of things. And Judy hits on at least one of the things I was going to say. She says the centurion was a powerful Roman and a Gentile who was respected by the Jews. Um, yeah, just interesting, right? That first of all, they, they should be enemies, right? Jews, as Melissa says there, Jews and centurions didn't normally have a good relationship. Um, so I, I just, you know, it, it's so easy. Um, just think of our culture, right? We just, we label it liberal and conservative, left and right, political and Democrat, can't get along. Um, and yes, that's true at times, but there are clearly examples of when that's not true. And, and in the Bible, that this is so helpful. Um, there were exceptions to the rule, right? There were exceptions to the rule. And that seeing them work together, I think, is a, an encouragement for us, too, as Jane points out there. Um, and then Linda reminds us he was a Gentile. Um, and this is early in the ministry of Jesus, and already a Gentile um, has strong faith. And I, it's very rare, I think, don't quote me, but I'm fairly, fairly confident in saying Jesus only commends someone for their strong faith three times. And I'm pretty sure every time he does it, it was a Gentile. Here with the centurion, we get it with the Canaanite woman. And then there's a third example um, where he commends uh, them for their strong faith. Pretty sure it's a Gentile every time. And uh, just kind of interesting to see. And if, if I'm wrong on that, call me out, point it out. Um, but I, I'm at least mildly confident that that is the case. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Number two, how might the centurion's attitude of, hum of humility and yet also confidence be applied to the following situations? And I list a whole bunch of them there. I guess I would just invite you for number two, pick your application. If, if there's a thought there that struck you, resonated with you, you want to comment on um, or you want to just uh, share with us, go for it, number two. So, so we're taking the centurion's attitude his humility, his confidence, how could he apply them in the following situations? Feel free to, to answer that in any, any way you like. Um, I won't necessarily hit on everything there, but just I'll give you a minute or two to post an answer to that. Um, and Marlene, you're absolutely right. The centurion was a believer. That meant he, the Holy Spirit gave him faith. Um, and I would say clearly he was hearing the message about Jesus, maybe even heard the message from Jesus. Maybe he'd been in the crowd and, and heard some of these, these messages that Jesus has been giving. Um, clearly has faith through the Holy Spirit. It means he heard the word somewhere. And uh, maybe it was John the Baptist he heard it from. Who knows? But he, he, got, he had faith for sure. All right, so Phil gets us going here with question two. He says that with the confidence God always listens and answers as a loving father would. So you're talking about, um, I, so I, I would apply that to all these situations, right, Phil? We pray with that confidence that God will always listen and answer because of that relationship that we have. Um so Linda says, we can be guilty of all these things. Um, so we, we do fall into all these types of situations, right? And we don't always react 
um, appropriately. We don't always react the way here that the centurion does. Uh, Judy says, in any type of trouble, and so in any of these cases, we can turn to the word, pray for help and guidance. Yeah, and, and I think um, maybe we just would add a couple of thoughts here. Um, God has the power to help us, the will to help us. Um, and in all of these situations, all these scenarios that, that are listed there, we submit to his will, right? A humble acceptance says, Lord, your will be done. And I think if in any of these things, if we've sinned, we need to accept that, confess that, and, and repent of that, and then just follow God's will here. Um, and in any of these things, by the way, weakness isn't from God, right? God gives strength. So if we are focused and dwelling on weakness, that's not God-centered, right? Um, so Melissa says here, uh, the centurion understood God's power, understood who he was in relation to that. Um, yeah, and yes, if we keep that in line, Melissa, we're going to be fine, right? If we keep that order the way it should be, we're going to be just fine. And and the Bible law is a good reminder that let's not come to us first. Let's go to God first, for sure. All right, um, moving along here, moving along. Um, Jesus raises the widow's son. Then Jesus gives some commentary on John the Baptist. And I think maybe... Just a quick comment here because we aren't going to see John much after this. Um, so number three, so John's disciples come to Jesus uh, asking a question, a little bit of confusion. Jesus settles that, sends them on their way, and then he starts talking about John. Um, just to kind of reiterate, what was John's role and what does Jesus say about him? And a couple of quick comments there that from earlier. Jane says, when our troubles get me down, ask what God's will is to, and to know what to do. Yeah, ask for guidance and wisdom. You can never go wrong doing that. Joel says, don't underestimate God's power to save and to help. I think I can't speak for you, but I think at times I'm guilty of that. Um, I made a, a hospital visit today where I was reminded again of the awesome things God can do. And... Uh, don't ever underestimate what your God can do. All right, uh, number three here, just talking about John. Um, real quickly, Jesus just, he reiterates, John was the promised forerunner. He was the one Isaiah talked about. He was the one who was getting ready for the Messiah. He is who um, they thought he was. <clears throat> And as you all just, if I'd have waited 20 seconds, you all had the answer. Um, yes, and I like the way Judy emphasized the prophet. He's it. There's not, he's it. There's not another one coming like him. Um, yes, yeah, so, so I agree with all that. So you guys, and Jesus, again, was just kind of helping people understand. Yeah, I mean, you and I, we read this after the fact. I think it's easy for you and I to follow Imagine this in real time, right? Imagine living this as it's happening. I think it's a lot more cloudy and a lot less clear uh, than maybe it is for you and I who have the benefit of, 
of looking back at all this history and, and seeing and hearing so many people talk about this stuff. So, so I think that again, to settle a confusion, Jesus just even, even God's people were confused like John and his disciples. Yeah. What's going on? Right. Jesus, he's setting the record straight here. Um, number four, and I'm not necessarily asking for personal confession on this one. Um, so only share as comfortable, but number four, uh, point to specific times in your life when you've doubted your Savior's presence and power. Um, again, I'd, I'm not going to, if you don't have or don't want to share, that's okay. And we'll, we'll move forward. Just give a, just give an opportunity here if anybody wants to share an experience. Um, Joel, I, I think that could be, um, but I also wouldn't, I wouldn't discount John's confusion either. He's in prison um, and Jesus isn't. And so I think he's maybe a little confused on that. Um, so I, I do think, yes, it, the, I mean, his disciples clearly needed it, but, but I think John too, um, and I think that's easy to understand, he probably didn't envision it going this way, right? Um, so I think he needs he needs some reassurance as well. All right, number four, going once, going twice, point to specific times in your life when you've doubted your Savior's presence and power, going once, going twice. Melissa says, when you're hurt by other Christians, yeah, it can cause you to doubt God and his goodness. Um, so I'll just... I probably could give a couple personal examples here, but I, but I think maybe more helpful just to say in general, what I've noticed as a pastor over 16 plus years, um, people most tend to doubt their savior's presence and power when they're not in the word. Uh, it doesn't mean that we don't doubt it when we're in the word, but I've just noticed as individuals, are spending less time in the word, it becomes easier to doubt those things. Um, so I just, in general, that's, that's something I, I've observed. And that doesn't mean that, that those who are in the Bible regularly won't have their doubts too. I think we do. I'm just saying, I, I see that even multiplied by, by a lot more when, when we as God's people aren't in the word regularly. <clears throat> Joanne, I don't think that's lame. I think that's super common. Um, she said, questioning his plan um, with, with no guy in sight. Yeah, I, I don't think it's lame. I think that's more common than you think. Um, Judy says, when my husband died suddenly on an Indian reservation in the middle of nowhere, wow, a thousand miles from home, had a few moments of doubt, I would imagine. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, and he, he, he figured it out, didn't he, Judy? And, and he's blessed you, and I know that. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine the doubt there. Um, it does, Joel, right? And we know that, but it's so easy to, to lay that army down, armor down. And uh, I try, Linda. I try. All right, anybody else? Um, otherwise, so, so thanks for sharing, and I think both – so Melissa, Joanne, Judy, I think those are all 
practical, real-life examples that we can all relate to and, and have probably experienced at least one of those. So thanks for sharing those. Um, number five. So number five, absolutely, Joe and Marlene. And I think loneliness is on the rise. Um you know, all this, all these, I don't want to get off on a rant on phones and social media, but it dry, we're, we're so driven to the screen that we lose connection with everybody else. We're, get, we're getting lonelier by the day. Um, all right, number five, describe the scene as Luke records it in verses 36 to 38. Note the detail Luke uses to describe her actions. How many separate actions can you find? Uh, those of you on Sunday in Bible class, you, you heard about this a little bit. So I don't want to spend a ton of time, but just notice Luke's details here. How many different actions does she does she have that Luke mentions? Um, Ron and Joe, oh, a couple more here. A grandchild was abused by her father. The courts didn't seem to help the situation. Oh, feel helpless in that, I'm sure. Um, and Jane says she hasn't understood God's will to let pain continue. Yeah, both of those situations can really make you feel helpless and, and hopeless. And boy, the doubt can creep in, right? And the devil wants to, to really make us doubt in those situations. And those are times, hopefully, where we dive back into the word and prayer and we cling to Christ. And um, I trust that in those situations, you're able to, to see Jesus and his, his love for you. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, life is, we're going to hear on Sunday, by the way, um, and actually, just taking all these examples together, good good preview for Sunday. Uh, we're going to hear about the great tribulation that we are in in this world. And I think any one of you, I could use any one of those examples in the sermon. I, I won't. Um, just, I mean, without asking, of course. But I, yeah, I think they all hit home. So thank you for that. Um, all right. So real quickly here, just um, number five. So the lady, she somehow gets in the house. How that happened, I'm not sure. She brought a jar. She's weeping. She wets his feet. She wipes his feet. She pours perfume. Um, just she is clearly here um, showing her love and her care for Jesus. And um, Jesus takes that as an opportunity to point out the hypocrisy and the lack of love of yet another Pharisee. Um, we can jump to number six here, and Melissa's got, yeah, a lot. I think you hit all of them there. Um, and notice Melissa focused on the verbs there. Just real quickly, by the way, um, when you're studying God's word, um, the verbs are always a good place to start. Who's the, act, who's the active party? Um, who's not? Who's, yeah, just good. Anyway, I uh, don't. Good place to start uh, by checking out the verbs. Um, number six, in verses 44 and following, it becomes clear why Luke told all the details of the woman's actions. Jesus contrasts what the woman did with what Simon did. What did Simon not give to Jesus, and why didn't Simon act like the woman? And Linda, yeah, I know Pat and many others, um, to, to know that you're being prayed for is such a boost and a huge encouragement and a blessing. Um, so, so don't ever hesitate to let people know that you are praying for them. So why, so why is the Pharisee, so the Pharisee, Simon, he does not 
get water. He does not kiss his feet. He does not give him a kiss of greeting, right? He doesn't anoint him with oil. Um, why does why is Simon not acting like the woman? And it's so Linda says works, and I think certainly that that that's the underlying issue here. But I think it's more than that. Um, maybe the flip side of the question is why is she doing it? Why is he not? What is she? What has she received that this other guy um, doesn't seem to have a concept of? And Marge, yep, you've got the the, the actions down here. Um, no respect by the man. Um, so, so Melissa and so faith and repentance. Yeah, you're on the right track there. So finally, she's forgiven and she knows it and she's grateful for it. He doesn't even know he needs it, right? So yes, she has faith. She is repentant. In the end, she is grateful for the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to her. Simon doesn't even know he needs the forgiveness. Right, it's just completely different, um, and as Ron and Joan just said there, and, and the better loves too. Um, so it's all about, again, belief or unbelief, um, and you're all hitting on it here. Uh, just yeah, he didn't feel his sins, right? He doesn't know. He doesn't even know he needs forgiveness, and she is so grateful for it. And Jesus tries to point it out to him, and he he doesn't. It's not, the plane's not landing, right? He's not getting it here. All right. <clears throat> a lot of good comments there. A lot of good comments. Yes, I mean, he's just, he's clueless. Um, and, and I think, so Joel's comment there. Um, so Phil, yes, I, I think he, he probably, all these guys are worried about how things look Um in society and with their peers, they're all worried. They're all worried about the optics of it, right? How this is going to look. Um, but bigger picture too, um, just with Joel's thought, and, and this struck me. I think in chapter eight, we'll get if we get there. Um, I don't think, I don't think the Pharisees misunderstood what Jesus was saying about himself. They just didn't believe what he was saying about himself. I think they were very clear on who he was saying he was. They just aren't believing it. Um, and so the way you said that, Joel, just, yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It just clicked with me um, very, very clearly. All right, we got 15 minutes. Let's see if we can hit chapter eight here. And again, trusting some of these details to you. Um, not going to necessarily hit everything here. So question one. So when it says this is now our third time taking a look at the parable of the sower, that so that means we saw it in Matthew, we saw it in Mark, now we're seeing it in Luke. Um, some things in Luke are unique to Luke, like we're going to get to some of the parables that only Luke talks about. Some of the things are are things that Matthew and Mark have already talked about. So so that's why the question is phrased that way. Um, we did talk about this with Mark. So just a quick question, any new insights, any observations, anything you want to talk about with the parable of the sower? Um, if not, we can move on. I'll just give you a minute or two to post a comment or a question here about the parable of the sower. 
Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4 um, both gave detailed presentations on this. So you got a thought, let me know, or a question. I'll give it one minute here, and then we'll move into question two. And while you're posting that, I'll maybe just make an aside. Um, well, no, I'll wait till we hit that. Um, I, so maybe just an observation, verse 3. Um, women were very involved in the ministry of Jesus um, for, for reasons we're aware of. He didn't call them to be apostles. Um, but you look at verse 3. Um, these, these industrious ladies are supporting the work um, very, very actively. You look at verse 3. These women are helping to support them out of their own means. Um, this doesn't happen without the women. Um, so just, I think it's worth pointing that out. God gives us different roles, um, but the ministry doesn't move forward without everybody doing their part. And uh, clearly Jesus valued the ministry of the women uh, in his life. All right. So Judy says it's an important lesson if they all tell it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, yeah, that, uh, that's a good observation. There, there are a few things that they all cover, um, and more than a few, but I think if all three of the, the first gospels cover it, that tells you it made an impact with them too, right? I think it resonated with them. <clears throat> uh, Linda says verse 17 comes to mind, um, or, uh, when she's, her, her mind wanders, um, yeah, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Uh, that that's a check to our conscience, right? We think we're getting away from something with something. Nope, he knows, he sees. Um, but but verse eighteen, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Um, that, uh, so this actually takes us into question two. So let's just go to question two. <clears throat> Otherwise, I'm going to take all the answers here. Um, the disciples were encouraged to listen to Jesus and learn from him. He lit a lamp. And now he had set it on a hill so everyone might learn from him. To this, he adds two rather difficult statements. And so verse 17 and verse 18. <clears throat> so let's talk about verse 17. The sheet says here in verse 17, he issues a warning against those who seemed to be listening but were actually rejecting him. What's the warning? What's the warning here? And first of all, as, as children of God, we don't need to worry about it, Linda, because in Jesus we're forgiven and saved. But it, it's a verse that should... Um, should concern us. We should give some attention here to here. So, um, so what's the warning here in verse seventeen? And so I, boy, I like the way both of you said that. So Melissa says, "God knows you can't fake your way through faith." Um, that's a good way to say that. Um, and Marge says, "Someday everything in men's hearts will be brought to light and made plain to all." 
So finally, if we're being hypocritical about our faith, it's going to be found out. Um, if we're hypocritical about our faith, it, it's going to be made known um, in this world or the next, right? And and so as Linda says there, pay attention, right? Let's not let that happen. So, so again, 18, therefore consider carefully how you listen. I think that that applies to sermons, that applies to Bible classes, that applies to devotions and, and all these things. It applies to our own personal Bible time. Be careful how you listen. All right, good. Then verse 18, Jesus gives both an encouragement and a warning. Um, can you find them? So I think we, well, I'll leave it at that. What is the encouragement and what is the warning from 18? What is the encouragement and what is the warning from 18? What is the encouragement? What is the warning? Anybody? Otherwise, I can just jump in here. Um, and I, we're kind of already hitting on it a little bit. But finally, um, you look at whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. So finally, um, if you listen and take it to heart, you're going to get more of it. You're going to grow. But if you're not, if you're not listening, you're changing it, you're rejecting it, you're downplaying it, you're going to lose it, right? And and finally, I, I've probably said this several times in other places, faith doesn't stay in neutral. It's growing or it's 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 declining, right? And Jesus makes that point in a lot of different areas. Here's one of them. If you have, you're going to get more. But if you don't, you're going to lose what, what even you think you have. So just as, again, as Linda said, pay attention, be careful, right? Um, listen, take it to heart, um, apply it to your yourselves. You know, finally, um, yeah, that, that's probably enough there. Um, I was about to get sidetracked again, but um, seeing no other comments, maybe we can go to number three. Yeah, that does take practice, doesn't it, Joan Marlene? Um, you know, you think about your kids, how long was it before they actually could sit and listen to a sermon, right? It takes some practice. Um, think about as adults, how long did it take, you know, for, for you were maybe weren't nodding off in a sermon? Um, how, how did you, how do you know if you're going to get something out of it, right? It, it Listening carefully takes some practice and some effort. Um, so work at it, work at it. All right. Number three here. Sometimes churches are tempted to show favoritism to members who are related to other members or whose parents and grandparents have been in the congregation for a long time. How does Jesus handle that temptation? How does Jesus handle that temptation? So look at verses 19, 20, and 21. How does Jesus handle that temptation? And what a blessing, Linda, that she has started young, right? That, at a young age. I, I pray that always continues for her. How does Jesus handle that temptation here about playing favoritism in 19 to 21? 
<clears throat> and while you answer that, um, uh, clearly here, Jesus has a family. So his mother and brothers, um, I don't know if your study Bible has notes on that, but um, just in the Greek and really just history of the church, it is pretty widely viewed that these were legit brothers, like half brothers, um, Mary and Joseph's other kids. Um, Jesus had siblings. And that should not scare us or worry us. Um, we need him to be the perfect sibling, right? For those of us who have siblings, um, we need him to be that for us. And also notice here too, Joseph appears to be out of the picture by now. Um, this would be a verse that we would point to to suggest Joseph maybe died when Jesus was a bit younger, um, at least prior to this. Um, Joseph probably a bit older than Mary when they got married. So just something to point out there. Um, so Melissa says, just in answering the question number three, puts all believers on the same level, uh, loves all equally. Um, yeah, that's a neat way to say that, Joel. The, the leveler is faith, not genealogy. It's not about who you are, who you know, right? It's about faith in the heart. Um, good. Um, good. Yeah, uh, appreciate that observation. Um, yeah, so just be aware. Just, just notice that there, too. Um, he has brothers. And in fact, one of them goes on later on to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem, um, who is eventually killed when they throw him off the top of the temple. So um, just interesting. Early on, too, we maybe get the sense that they aren't all on board with his ministry. Um, but again, that his brother James dies for the faith later on. So, All right, number four. And Judy, I appreciate that, too, right? We're all part of his family through faith. We all are his children, and, and everybody has gifts that they can use. Um, so here's the case. So you get to, uh, real quickly, Jesus calms the storm. Um, Phil just posted question four, so get ready with your answers there. I don't have a question on Jesus calms the storm, and here's something that's recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So... Again, knowing we have hit it in Mark and will hit it again, I, I just I chose not to give you a question on it. But just be aware, there are a few things that show up in all the Gospels, not not necessarily a lot of them, but, but some of them do. Um, all right, number four, why did Jesus not let the former demon-possessed man join his group of disciples? Verse 38. And, and certainly you can understand the guy, why he'd want to, right? Jesus did so much for him, healed him, called him to faith, um, and he naturally wants to go. And Jesus says, nope, go home and tell how much God has done for you. Um, why does he say no? And what are the implications for a congregation? Um legion guy that you think that's what they call them after that linda um so so you're all on this we got the myers and melissa and phil um so jesus wants the man to stay where he is and, and to be a witness um to be a witness at home uh, in my margin next to this verse i wrote everyone outreach um 
Jesus has called each of us to be witnesses where we are. Marge said here, telling his family, um, God's kingdom grows when we all do that. We can't all be disciples or apostles, I should say. Um, we are all disciples in the fact that we're followers and students of Jesus. Um, so in that sense, um, we aren't all apostles. We aren't all pastors. We aren't all missionaries. But we're all Christians, and we all have neighbors and families and friends. And Jesus says, tell them how much God has done for you. Um, that's our calling. That's our job. Um, we aren't all gifted for the same kinds of service, and that's okay. Um, I could not be a world missionary. I don't have the language skills to do it, and not to mention other issue, other things. Um, we can't. We don't all have the same callings. We don't all have the same um, abilities or kinds of service, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm not where you are um, in your life and work and family and friends. God put you there. So go tell him what God has done for you, right? That, that's what he would tell us. All right, uh, let's see here. So I'll just catch up here. Ron and Jones say, grow where you're planted. I like that phrase, grow where you're planted. Um, Linda says that he'd be an unmoving witness. Yeah, I just think of how, man, the story he had to tell, right? Um, Joey, we heard a little bit about that on Sunday, right? I think um, it sure would it sure would catch attention, right? If if they know this guy, what he was before, now he's preaching the gospel. Wow, tell me about that, right? Um, and Melissa's kind of on that track there too, that radical change. Um, <laughs> Linda says, <laughs> "I love that." Um, probably drove the neighborhood nuts. I hope so, Linda. Um, and really, isn't that what we all should be doing? Um, and understand that properly, right? Um, that's that's what we're all called to do, right? To witness. And uh, yeah, that's a neat one to end on. I appreciate that comment. Um, then there's the dead girl and the sick woman. Again, in Matthew and Mark. Um, and just a key verse there, verse 50, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. Um Fearless from Jesus, fearless words from Jesus. Um, all right, I, that's so much, right? It's so much to pack into an hour. We did it. We made it. Um, this time always goes fast for me. I, I think that's a good sign. I don't know if it is for you or not, but um, I really appreciate this time we get together. Uh, next week will be Luke 9 and 10 for sure. I don't remember if I had 10 and 11 on the sheet or just 9 and 10. Either way, uh, we'll be back here um, next Tuesday, continuing going through Luke. Um, anybody else have an insight to share, question, comment, anything I need to, to check on for you next time? I feel like there's something I'm supposed to look up and I forgot for today. Um, anybody got anything? Now's the time. Let me know. And Linda, you are welcome. I, I enjoy this thoroughly as well. Um, anybody else? Um, Phil says, happy Mother's Day. Yep, coming up. Guys, get on it for Sunday. Luke 9 to 11 next week. May 10th already next week. Ay, ay, ay. Time is flying. All right, I don't see anybody having any other questions. Um, 
So I think we'll say uh, good night. Thanks for participating. Those of you, you that watch this later on, um, thanks for for hanging out too. Oh, that's right, Phil. I was going to look up Simon Peter versus Simon, those two names. Ah, all right. Um, completely forgot about that. Um, I will try to, I will try hard to remember that next time. I need to sit here with a pen actually, and I, just so I could write these things down. So that's one thing. I do have that technology. I can bring a pen next week and write those things down. All right, everybody. God bless you. You are welcome. Have a good night. Um, and we will talk soon. Go Bucks. Go Brewers. Um, enjoy the rest of your night.